Well, good morning, and I want to welcome those online as well. And uh, we've, we've come to worship, to praise our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. And we're going to pray first, and then I'm going to release the super church. So let's pray. So, Father God, we stand with the courage of those witnesses pictured in the book of Hebrews, who insisted, even in perilous times, that not even the powerful rulers of this earth and those on the dark side can hold our eternal destiny in their hands. Lord God, we we are secure in Christ. His reign is just. His power is endless. And his love is unfathomable. Father God, this morning we join the chorus of saints who continue to declare that Christ is our King. And this morning we come to worship Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So, okay, time for Super Church. Well, once again, we have been blessed with a great song service. You know, the, the, the lyrics... I found to be wonderful. And we, we sang, in your presence, that's where I am strong. In your presence, O oh Lord, that's where I belong. Seeking your face, touching your grace. You know, that song transports us to, our, to my sermon this morning. The title of my sermon is, In His Presence. And my working theme is, Have You Been With Jesus?, And this morning, the Lord has provided me with a simple message, but it's a complete message, and it's going to be based on Luke's book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 1 through 22, and it's printed in the NIV in your handouts together with the sermon outline for your easy reference. And walk with me, as I always do, through Psalm 1914. And so, dear Lord, this morning, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen? You know, even if you don't smoke and you have never smoked before, people may think you do and you may smell like you smoke. You know, there's a concept which we know as secondhand smoke. And it's the residual contamination from tobacco smoke that lingers long after the smoking has stopped when you are in the presence of people who are smoking. If you remain there long enough, even when they leave and you leave their presence, the smell of tobacco is still on your clothes and even on your skin. And so whether you have been smoking or not, people at least know that you have been around people who have been smoking. They can just tell by simply being around you. You know, I'm reminded of something amazing. I was reading about two men in the Bible named Peter... Okay, I'll change the message. (laughs) Reading about Peter and John... And there were two of the 12 disciples that had followed and walked with Jesus for three consecutive years. 
And they were two of his very, very closest friends. And there was something that was said about them that caught my attention. And then I thought to myself, I want that to be thought of me when anybody gets around me. It's the fourth chapter of the book of Acts. And so the setting is, it has been almost two months since Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead. You know, he has bid his farewell to the, to the disciples and he's ascended into heaven. And in the eyes of many, Jesus was just a momentary blip in the screen of time. Just another religious fanatic who had come and he had gone. We know that Pilate washed his hands of him, and the Pharisees were more than glad to get rid of him. And most people no longer cared about him because he was not the political Messiah that they had hoped for. Now Jesus was gone, but as we know, not forgotten. You know, the religious leaders must have thought that the crucifixion was like the aspirin that would take away their headache. But these two men that you're going to be hearing about was giving them a migraine. They were filled with the Holy Spirit because Peter and John were going around Jerusalem healing the sick, teaching the truth, preaching the gospel, the gospel of the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And not only were people listening, they were actually surrendering to this crucified, risen Lord. And so our story begins in Acts 4, verses 1 through 3. In that states, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. Now, keep in mind that the only thing that they had done was simply witness to what they had seen, to what they had heard, and to what they had experienced, and what they knew about Jesus. And so the next day they were brought to court. They were being interrogated by these PhDs, these brilliant Old Testament scholars, the keepers of the law. But as these scholars would soon find out, this was going to be no match for these two uneducated fishermen Because these fishermen were filled with the power of the Spirit of God and they preached the Word of God and they testified for the Son of God. And these Pharisees may have been the interrogators, but Peter and John were the intimidators. And so now we read this amazing statement in our text, Acts 4.13, which states, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You know, what an amazing statement. When you go around and you got around these men, you could smell the aroma of Jesus. You could see the radiance of Jesus, and you could feel the presence of Jesus, and you could hear the voice of Jesus. They were radically different than other men. They were ten cuts above everybody else. Their lives were Christ-captured, Christ-converted, Christ-centered, and Christ-controlled. There was something about them. It was not their personality. 
It was not the persuasiveness or the popularity. What was the difference? The difference was they had been with a person named Jesus. Now here's the question I want to ask all of us. When people are around you, do they know who you have been with? I want people to know that there is one person we have been with, that we have walked with, that we live with, and that we stay in his presence every day, and his name is Jesus. And that raises the big question. How? How can people know that we have been with Jesus? What? What will be true of me and true of you if we have been with Jesus? What are the marks of a person who has been with Jesus? And so this morning we're going to see that that was true of these men and what was true of these men can be, should be, and will be true of us if we have been with Jesus. You know, when you have been with Jesus in his presence, three things will be true about you. First, considering your outline that you will have the compassion to serve humbly. First, you have to understand the reason why these men were in trouble to begin with, and it's because they healed a man who had been lame for 40 years. And when we go back to the beginning of the third chapter, there was a man who, was, who had been lame from birth. He was a beggar. And when Peter and John walked by him as they went to the temple, he asked for money. And Peter essentially said, the bad news is we don't have any money, but what we do have, we'll give to you. We have what money cannot buy. So we look at Acts 3.6, which states, Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And when people saw this and they heard this, you can imagine that everybody came running from everywhere to hear what these men had to say. And of course, Peter and John let them know that it was not them that healed this man, but the risen Jesus had done it. And they began to preach about the crucifixion and his resurrection. Now, before we go any further, keep in mind that back in those days, beggars were nothing more than burdens. They were a drain on society. That's where our country seems to be headed. You know... Oh, they, they, they passed this man, the vast majority of people would pass these, this man day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, and they didn't pay any attention to him. Much the way you see in our major cities, just stepping over the people sleeping on the sidewalk without a comment. All of his, all of his begging and all of his pleading was falling on deaf ears until Peter and John were on the scene. And Peter and John took the time to show this man compassion. One of the things that stands out about the life of Jesus was how he took time for individuals. As a matter of fact, if you read the Gospels, you'll find that many of the accounts of the life of Jesus were encounters he had with just one person. Jesus was never too big, never too burdened, or never too busy for just one person. And I want to give you this one thought. 
we need a vision like Jesus. He had a telescopic view of the world, the whole world, but he also had a microscopic insight, including every single individual. You know, he would never get too busy, never become too involved for the least and the last and the lost. Now, how can you tell if someone has been in the presence of Jesus? Well, they are willing to take time for the people that the rest of the world has no time for. Notice something else in chapter 4, not in our text, but verses 34 and 35 indicate that they were willing to do all they could for this, to meet the needs of this man. If the man had been hungry, they would have fed him. If the man had been naked, they would have clothed him. If the man had been thirsty, they would have given him something to drink. If the man had been homeless, they would have provided for him. And that is why our church ministers to the homeless through the Providence Rescue Mission. That is why we feed people through our pantry ministry. And it is why we support Harmony, who comes alongside pregnant women and gives them not just advice and prayer, but help during, before, and after the pregnancy to be sure that that new life is cared for and taken care of. You know, Jesus was a servant, and he had a servant's heart. I mentioned last time that he said, I have come, I did not come to be served, but to serve. Now, have you been with Jesus? Have you been in his presence? If you say yes, then I have a question for you. Where are you serving in our church? Where are you serving in your community? Where are you serving in your neighborhood? If you are like Jesus, you will have a compassion to serve humbly. Now consider second in your outline, when you have been with Jesus in his presence, you will have the courage to stand boldly. Now you would have thought that everybody would have been ecstatic and happy over what they had witnessed. A man who had been lame since he was born, who had been in the same spot year after year after year, no telling how many years he had been there, he could now walk. That actually ignited the fire once again because Jesus had been taken off the cross, out of the tomb, and is back in full. And John and Peter are arrested now, and they're standing in this courtroom. And as I indicated previously, it was a mismatch from the very beginning, because these fishermen were not feeble, they were not frail, they were fearless, and it was now the defendants that had put the judges on trial. Again, our, our text, Acts 4.13 states, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that the that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You know, these two men here are described as unschooled and ordinary. The first word refers to their lack of education. The second word refers to their lack of social position. In other words, these men didn't have either a degree or a pedigree. 
just two country bumpkins standing before the richest, most educated, most powerful men in the entire nation of Israel. Yet, they were not intimidated. They were intimidating for one reason. They had been with Jesus. When they displayed was courage on steroids, and they took a stand. They took a stand for the one thing they knew could get them killed when they made this statement. That is our text, Acts 4.12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That one statement would anger the Pharisees who did not believe in Jesus and the Sadducees because they did not believe in the resurrection. It would come to anger the entire world who has believed that one religion is as good as the next. But Peter and John took a stand. They said there is only one word of salvation, and that is the name of Jesus. There is only one way of salvation, and that is the death of Jesus. And there is only one work of salvation, and that is the resurrection of Jesus. Now, we're living in a world today where we are, if you're willing to take a stand like this for Jesus, not to be politically incorrect, but you better wear your big boy britches. There is no statement that is more infuriating, more intolerant, more intrusive to the religious and non-religious world than that statement. Nobody back then liked it. The Romans wouldn't like it because of their many gods. The Greeks wouldn't like it because of their culture. The Jews wouldn't like it because they didn't believe Jesus was God. But these guys didn't care. They didn't care what the world thought. They weren't just going along to get along. Someone once said to the great defender of Christianity, Athanasius, they said, because of Jesus, the whole world is against you. Athanasius replied, then I am against the whole world. You know, you look at the situation, and in a sense you couldn't really blame Peter and John if they had buckled. Remember who they're up against. Acts 4.1 again states, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. The captain of the temple guard is equivalent to the KGB. He was one of the most feared and powerful men in all of Israel. He could put you to death instantaneously if you transgressed or trespassed on temple grounds. And then from there they were taken from the frying pan to the fire. Our text, Acts 4, 5, and 6 states, The next day the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. Now this was the Jewish Supreme Court. Annas, the former high priest, and Caiaphas, his son-in-law. If you remember, they were the ring leaders in the crucifixion of Jesus So you had the political leaders and the religious leaders against them. As an aside, if you stand for Jesus, you're going to make enemies. And you can forget the media, you won't find many friends there. 
politicians, principals, or professors will not be coming to your Christmas party. And if you want to win a popularity contest, be put on the boardrooms of, of Fortune 500 companies, get favorable reviews, be socially accepted and politically correct. Don't take a stand for Jesus. But when you have been with Jesus, you will have the courage to stand boldly for Jesus. Here's what you will find. When you stand for Jesus, Jesus will stand with you. But let me be blunt. This is the problem with the church in the 21st century. When it comes to standing for what is right and for what is true, By the grace of God, we'd had rather be in trouble standing for Jesus and with Jesus than out of trouble running from Jesus. And when you have been with Jesus, you will have the courage to stand boldly. Consider third in your outline. When you have been with Jesus in his presence, you will have the conviction to speak truthfully. Now, Understand the real reason Peter and John got in hot water. It was not because of the miracle they performed, but because of the message that they preached. Look again at our text, Acts 4.2 states, They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. You know, the world has no problem with Jesus as long as he's not on the cross and certainly as long he's not, if he's not out of the tomb. And if you put him on the cross to die and then you bring him down and out of the tomb, then you have to say that there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved, that there is no other way to God except through Jesus. He alone is the way, the truth, and the life, and therefore every religion is false and no other religious leader, teacher, or preacher should be followed except Jesus. And then they try to cut a deal with Peter and with John. Acts 4.18 states, Then they called them again again, commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Basically, here's what they were saying. You can talk about God. You can promote religion. You can teach and preach to people on how to live better lives, but don't talk about Jesus. That is where the point was then, and that is where the point is now. And if Jesus doesn't return, that is going to be the point a thousand years from now when it's regarding Jesus. You know, the way the apostles responded is the way we should be responding Consider our text, Acts 4, 19 and 20. And this is how they responded. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. There is a cost to that. Because when you talk about the Son of God, you have to talk about the Word of God Because the Son of God was all about the Word of God. And when you talk about the Word of God, you have to talk about the truth of God. Because God's Word is truth. 
In the postmodern age in which we live, one thing that is not too high on people's radar screens today is truth. You know, truth is no longer a rock that stands firm and never moves, no matter what people think. Today, truth is a flag that just blows whichever way the wind is moving. If you speak truth today, you'll be spitting in the wind. You know, we're living in a day where politicians are driven by polls and many pastors and preachers are driven by popularity. So a politician could be against abortion today, but for it tomorrow. A pastor can be for traditional marriage today and gay marriage tomorrow. The rock of conviction has been dissolved by the acid of compromise and covered by the blanket of cowardness. Let me be frank. There have been times, oh, you know I will. (laughs) There have been times when I sat down when I should have stood up. There were times when I shut up when I should have spoken up. But my problem was I had not been with Jesus. I had gotten away from Jesus. What about you? Now, do you know? Why is so amazing about Peter and John? When they let them go, we might have expected them to express gratitude for the freedom, but instead they declared this. Our text, Acts 4, 9 and 10. If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. That's how we should respond to conflict. Let me ask this question of you again. In whose presence have you been with? How about if we all get honest? If Congress passed a law today that would make it a crime to ever talk about Jesus, it would not bother many Christians because many Christians never even mentioned Jesus. If that ever happened, would you become public enemy number one? I want to say two things. I think we ought to be more afraid of what God will say to us one day if we don't. And shouldn't we rather displease the world than disappoint God? Again, let's be honest. You know, the reason why a lot of us never say anything about Jesus and never stand up for the truth is because we are afraid of what people will say about us. And we're afraid of what people will say against us. So I want to ask you another question. Are you willing to live a life, your life, in such a way that every day people will know that you have been with Jesus? If yes, you'll stand out. If yes, you may become a target. If yes, it may cost you. Some people are going to think that you are just Nuts. It has been said, having faith often means 
doing what others see as crazy. I say something is wrong when our lives make sense to the unbelievers. When you have been with Jesus, you will have the compassion to serve humbly, the courage to stand boldly, the conviction to speak truthfully, and there will be no one to fear, no apologies to make, and no excuses to be given, because the Jesus that you're with will be the Jesus that will be with you. Amen? Amen? And so service is over. And as you step back into the world, seek his face, enter his presence, walk with him. I want you to remember that we should live our lives in such a way that our lives would not make sense if Jesus Christ was not alive. We start tonight, 6.30, in prayer, communicating with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. See you tonight. If you can't, I'll see you next week.